It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You're listening to the MLB Pipeline Podcast with your host, Ed Randall. Hi, everybody. I'm Ed Randall, and welcome to the MLB.com Pipeline Podcast. I'm joined by our draft minor league experts, Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. The ongoing National League Championship Series is notable for the flood of young talent on display with the Mets and the Cubs. And guys, it's been a banner year for young players all through Major League Baseball, and it's never been more evident, Jim, than in the NLCS. No, exactly right. I mean, the Mets have a two-games-to-none lead right now after Noah Syndergaard's impressive performance last night, and we've seen... Kyle Schwarber seems like he hits a home run almost every game uh, as well. And you have a number of other games. Steven Matz hasn't made an impact in this series yet, but he will probably get the chance to do so. And any number of Cubs, whether it's Chris Bryant or Jorge Soler, you know, Javier Baez isn't a rookie, but he, for all intents and purposes, you know, feels like one because he's not really established in the big leagues. But no, it's like you said, Ed, I think this has been the best year for rookies I can ever remember, and we're continuing to see it throughout the playoffs. It's been kind of crazy. There were certain moments during uh, during Game 2 of the NLCS where I'm watching Noah Syndergaard face Kyle Schwarber, and I'm thinking, all right, well, in 2013, every year for the Futures game, we bring a Futures game player in a day early, and we run around wherever the All-Star okay. game site is. And so 2013, we had Noah Syndergaard uh, along with Archie Bradley and Taiwan Walker. Uh, did a whole double-decker bus tour of New York. That was awesome. Uh, and then this past year in Cincinnati, we had Kyle Schwarber. So I'm like, well, I don't know what to do with this situation here. <laughs> you know, in terms of a baseball fandom, I'm like, well, uh, uh, you know, and Syndergaard got the better of Schwarber yesterday. But as you pointed out, I mean, not only has Schwarber hit uh, a lot of homers, uh, and he's among the tops ever, I think, rookies, you know, home runs in the postseason, but he, he's not getting cheated. I mean, the 459 feet, I think the one was in game one against the Mets, and then the one that's sitting on top of the scoreboard in Wrigley and in a glass case now. Uh, <laughs> it's, been, it's been unbelievable, and I think uh, it's kind of interesting because so much buzz was around Chris Bryant, and rightfully so, throughout the year. We haven't really had to, I haven't had to talk about him much in postseason. Schwarber's kind of stolen that limelight from him a little bit. No, you're right. And Brian got off to a slow start in the postseason. And we, we all expected Chris Bryant to be the National League Rookie of the Year this year, which he probably, I'm sure he'll win the voting. We all expected that. He was ready. Yeah. Um, Schwarber, even, you know, you and I talked about this last year when we were doing draft stuff. I thought he was the best college hitter in the draft. Um, probably the best hitter in the draft in, in retrospect. Alex Jackson, who was the best high school hitter, has really struggled so far. But even that said, I didn't think there's any way he was going to make any kind of impact in Chicago this year. And, you know, they, they brought him up to DH when they needed DH for interleague. But, you know, the, the focus was on trying to make him into a catcher. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then he kept hitting. You know, when they, when they had catching injuries, they called him back up. And then it's like we can't get this guy's bat out of the lineup. But, no, he's been unbelievable. And, you know, the, the funny thing is, and this is fresh on my mind because I just wrote a story for the website, is if the Cubs don't take him number four and the Rockies – I think the Rockies might have taken him at eight. They were the only other team in the top ten really yeah. giving him a lot of play. Kyle Schwarber might have been about the 15th prospect, 15th pick in the 2014 draft. And if you were redoing that draft now, he'd probably be the number one overall pick. 
well, based on what he's done, how he's not, you know, and uh, it's kind of amazing to think we're, we're talking about the playoffs now, and we've got Schwarber on one side, and you've got Michael Conforto on the other, both top 10 picks uh, in the big leagues. Uh, that draft is now turning into, because you, you throw in the pitchers, you know, Aaron Nola and, and Carlos Rodon, obviously not on playoff teams. You have four guys from that top 10 already playing significant roles on their big league teams in, in a year. Uh, to have two hitters do what they've done and both made major contributions down the stretch and now, of course, in the playoffs, um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of impressive. I'm, like, I'm curious to see what's going to happen with that draft class further on, uh, on down the road. But, uh, yeah, I imagine if, uh, what Cubs fans would thought if, say, they had taken Max Pentecost with that pick, who uh, might end up being a very good catcher someday but has really struggled with injuries in the Blue Jays system. Well, and just following up on that, you know, one more thought I had when you're rattling off those names too. Everybody – you, you, we both talk to scouts for the draft every year, and scouts are always bemoaning the lack of college position players, which is basically because the teams sign, they spend a premium right. to sign high school athletes, so there aren't as many college you know, premium position players. But you have Schwarber, who might be a catcher in the long run, although I think at this point they're not going to send him back down. He's in the big leagues to stay, which means he's probably an outfielder. And Conforto, the 13th overall that pick in that draft has already been in the big leagues too. Trey Turner. Even though it's not with the organization drafted him because the Potters traded him to the Nationals, he's probably the Nationals shortstop next year. The guy who had the best season of anybody in the minors this season is A.J. Reed, was a second-round pick, another college position player. And looking back, I don't think anybody thought that that was a special group of college not position players, but they're, they're well ahead of schedule, and it looks like it very well may be a, a special group in the long run. Schwarber and Conforto were one two, weren't they? As far as being rated as the best hitters in the fourteen, yeah, the draft? best, the best college hitters. Right. I think most people thought that Alex Jackson, you know, may have been the best hitter. And right. obviously, with the draft, you always have to wait and see. He has, he has not uh, performed particularly well, but he was a high school guy. Uh, and I think that I think you could have done a survey uh, of scouts, um, Schwarber or Conforto, and you probably would have had a, a mixed bag in terms of who liked two more in terms of pure hitter. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. You know, the thing that's interesting with Schwarber, I think, he's much more athletic than people give him credit for. I know that you've, Jim, you've talked about it a lot, and Jim does the Cubs list. Uh, so I think when people think, oh, he's not going to be able to catch, you're going to have to stick him in the outfield, that it's going to be put a glove on him and hope he catches the ball that near him. I, I, he's probably going to be an okay outfielder, uh, you know, I think. Um, but uh, not only with him being up in the big leagues, is that stunt any development he might have catching, but they've also got Wilson Contreras, who's now in the Arizona Fall League, uh, as a guy who probably will end up being their catcher of the future. I'll even take that one step further. I, I think if we if we surveyed 30 teams, 20 of them would have told you Michael Conforto is a better player than Kyle Schwarber. Um, and I think, like you said, I just think people got hung up on the fact, and I don't think he's a catcher either. I think he'll work hard at it. I think he wants to catch. I think in the end, he's not going to be a catcher, even if you didn't have this situation where he came up this year. I don't think they're going to send him back now. And I think in the long run, you're better off not having him catch, actually. I'd rather have Kyle Schwarber at full strength or close to full strength playing in my lineup 140, 150 games than being beaten down by catching in my lineup for 90, 100, 110 games. But I, I do think a number of teams, I remember talking to him last spring because it, 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 i not claiming I thought Kyle Schwarber was anywhere near as good, but I thought he was better than Michael Conforto. And Michael Conforto is good. But, I, but it just seemed like it was pretty strong that the industry valued Conforto more than Schwarber. And I kept asking people, I don't get this. To me, Schwarber, they're, they're comparable hitters. Schwarber's got more power. And, okay, he's probably not a catcher, but I think he's a better athlete than Michael Conforto. And, and it just, but it, the, the consensus was, no, Conforto's the better package. It, it's interesting because I think, and this is 
just theorizing off the top of my head, that because he was looked at as a guy, well, he can't catch, that was a bigger knock than the fact that Conforto is not thought to be a particularly good outfielder. Yeah, he made the throw in the Futures game, nailed the guy at the plate, mm-hmm. doesn't have that great of an arm, he's a left field only, he'll be okay. But I think you're right, Schwarber might be a better outfielder than he is, but I think Schwarber got knocked because he couldn't play his primary position, or at least was perceived not to be able to. I think people said, I think that's exactly what happened. I think people looked at it and said, he's probably not going to catch, not sure about that body, but if you're home to, I, I think he's probably as quick, if maybe not even a little bit quicker than Conforto. I don't think he's got better instincts. And I think people get focused on he's not a catcher, which I agree with, but they didn't look at, okay, well, worst case scenario is he's probably a better left fielder than Michael Conforto. Yeah. And I think he's a better hitter, too. And all that said, now we're, I like Michael Conforto a lot, but I, I just think people missed the boat on Kyle Schorber a little bit. Yeah, clearly. I just want to go back to something that you said a moment ago about how you don't remember a year ever being like this in terms of impact rookies. And what has impressed me so much, Jim, is just their incredible poise when they come up. I've never seen anything like this. No, I, I, I mean, I think you go back. I rem, it sticks out to me when Chris Bryant came up. I mean, here's a guy who's been as hyped as much as any rookie in recent memory, probably since like Bryce Harper or Mike Trout, and he leads spring training in home runs and gets sent down, so there's a controversy. He should be in the big leagues. And his first game was against James Shields, and, you know, James Shields is a veteran who's had success. And he didn't challenge Chris Bryant. He was throwing him pitches off the plate, and, and you know, I think it was, what, first 20 games Chris Bryant didn't hit a home run? Um, because nobody, I've never seen a guy come up and get pitched like that when he walked into the big leagues. And after about three weeks, people realized, well, okay, we're not, gonna, we're not throwing him anything, but you know what, he's not chasing. So we are going to have to come in and, and throw him some pitches he can hit at some point. And I think it would have been really easy for a guy like that with that much hype to come up and say, oh, i got to hit home runs and start chasing everything. And he kind of symbolizes what you're saying, Ed. I mean, he, he came to the big leagues and he looked like a veteran. He, he didn't try to do too much, which I think you see a lot of rookies do sometimes. And I mean, we think back to... You know, I just mentioned Mike Trout. Mike Trout didn't blow baseball away. I mean, he struggled when he first came up. Yeah, he did, and then got sent back down and started the next year in the minors. I mean, I think, and, and Bryce Harper didn't set the world on fire the second he got to to the big leagues. People forget that he's still, you know, immensely young. But uh, I think it, it is interesting. because not only the guys coming up, and you're right, Ed, showing this unbelievable. Carlos Correa, I mean, looks like Lindor in Cleveland. Yeah, Lindor, the second he walked in the clubs, as we all knew. People are going to gravitate towards him. He is a, a leader, and, and, and he probably produced better numbers than I think any of us expected. But all of them. And then, and then they're being put in positions. You know, Miguel Sano comes up to the Twins. You know, no one knows what to expect. He missed an entire year. He hasn't played above double A. And he comes up, and I think he hits, like, in the bottom lineup once. And then he pretty much is cemented at, in the number three or four spot. And a team that ended up competing for the playoffs – for, for the rest of the year, people kind of forgotten about Sano just because they didn't make the playoffs and because there are all these other names. Correa, another middle of the lineup. I mean, Corey, Corey Seager, Seager we, we were beating the when is he getting called up drum for weeks. <laughs> he finally gets called up. Not only is he in the postseason roster, but he's hitting in the two spot or the three spot. I mean, I, that speaks to their poise and ability to handle situations. But uh, normally, you know, if, if a guy had come up and put him in the eight hole and he does okay, you're like, wow, look at that. That's a nice contribution. Or if they struggled right away. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Like, I don't know what some of these guys could do for an encore. I mean, I don't know. it'll be fun to watch. Uh, guys, Arizona Fall League underway. Uh, six-week season began last week. Jim, uh, who were the leaders in the clubhouse amongst the pitchers? Yeah, well, pitching-wise, I think they've played five games so far, so most of the starters have only pitched once. Right. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, at least in the early going, Alex Reyes, we 
thought was hands down the best pitching prospect in the league, the only guy in our top 100 prospects list uh, in the AFL. And his first game, he, he lived up to lived up to that. Three and two thirds innings, one hit ball, struck out five. Uh, you know, mid nineties, you know, ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight with the fastball, power, curveball, the same type of stuff that got him ranked as high as he is on the on the top one hundred prospects list. And you know, the, the fall league's perfect for a guy like Alex Reyes. I mean, he's a guy who missed some time this year. He had some minor shoulder fatigue that cost him a chance to pitch in the futures game, limited him to a uh, hundred and one and a third innings. He was spectacular, 151 strikeouts, 197 opponent average, 249 ERA, got to double eight, age 20. But, you know, they like to build up, you know, maybe get him in our 20 or 30 innings. So then next year you could ramp him up from, instead of trying to take him from 100 to maybe 130, now maybe you could take him to 130 if you get some AFL innings in there to 160, 170, and he, and he can help the big league club down the stretch. So he's, the fall league's perfect for guys like him. And in his first outing, he looked like the Alex Reyes we've, we've all seen and heard about. Now, I have a distinct advantage in that I was there for the first full week, so I saw a lot of this in person, I, and I, I was kind of lucky, you know, in some of the things. So I saw Alex Reyes' start, and, uh, you know, sometimes you, you, there's a guy who's, like, really hyped, and you go, and you go, uh, uh, what? Uh, I don't see it. Uh, he was as legit. It was 97. As advertised. 90, yeah, 97.98. <laughs> uh, just an absolute hammer of a, of a breaking ball. Um I was joking with Jim before that um, our colleague Spencer Forden was in was in the fall league and was talking to Reyes after the game, and Reyes was commending catcher Gary Sanchez for calling a good game, and that's why he had success. I'm like, how how hard is it? Let's see. Uh, all right, I'll put a one down this time. You know, 98 <laughs> on the corner. All right, a two. He was he was unhittable. He he struck out the side in the first inning, so I, I would be fine with that. But uh, I'm going to talk about Yoan Lopez of the of the Diamondbacks, and he was a big international sign. Uh, big splash that the that the Diamondbacks front office was trying to make, and his his season in 2015 uh, just kind of got derailed uh, for a whole host of reasons: some injuries, some uh, attitude adjustments that were needed. He just struggled. Um, you know, unfortunately, he might be best known for hitting Dansby Swanson in the face during extended spring training right after Swanson had signed and that delayed the number one pick's debut. You put all that aside, and you're curious to see what he's going to do in the fall league. You know, Is he going to go out and not throw? Is he going to show that he doesn't want to be there? He was lights out. Uh, I think he gave up one unearned run, but his stuff was nasty. Uh, he went four, uh, struck out five, and fastball, ton of movement. Really good breaking ball. Now, he may be a reliever when all is said and done, and he could see it uh, because the, the fastball-slider combination was, was just absolutely unhittable. Uh, and he maintained it through four innings. Now, if he can maintain it through six or seven, you have yourself a starting pitcher, as long as the third pitch is something he can go to on occasion. At the very least, this was a guy uh, who could shut down teams for an inning or two out of the bullpen. Jim, who's uh, doing well amongst the hitters. Well, I think the, the hottest guy, and again, it's a small sample size right now, is uh, Heimer Candelario of the Cubs. Uh, he's 8 for 10 with four doubles and two homers, so he's got the... Wow. That's pretty the, good. The, wow. The 2,618 ops you don't see too often. I, I'm going to go on a limb. I, I, I like him. I don't think he's going to maintain that throughout the fall. <laughs> I, I'm going to bet the under on that. But, I mean, this is a guy who hasn't been hyped as one. You know, the Cubs have, you know, I've said this before, 
had the best collection of young hitters I've ever seen in one organization at one time. So he kind of gets lost and shuffled out a little bit, and he's got you know guys are getting up to the majors, but you know, he signed for five hundred thousand dollars in two thousand ten. He he's always been young for his league. Got to Double A this year at, at age twenty one. Hit a combined two seventy seven with ten homers, seven seventy ops. Switch hitter. And what I like about him is he's got power potential, but he also makes contact too. This isn't a guy who's swinging for the fences. So you can see the ability to hit for some power and some average. Um, he's worked hard. When he, when he first came up, he, he wasn't much at third base or some thought, ah, he's probably going to have to be a first baseman. I think he could be an adequate, maybe average third baseman now. The problem for Heimer Condelario is where are you going to play in, in that organization? You, you, we were just talking about Chris Bryant. He's not taking Chris Bryant's job at third base. Now, if Chris Bryant moves to the outfield, which is going to be hard enough to do because you have Schwarber and Soler out there and other guys coming, Maybe Javier Baez winds up at third, depending on whether Starlin Castro stays. So I don't think he's going to be third. And, okay, you want to move him to first, well, you got Anthony Rizzo there who's going to get a bunch of MVP votes this year. So I think what the AFL, besides Condelario, seeing some more advanced pitching and working on his defense, it's a way for him to kind of audition for 29 other teams. Yeah, I mean, the Cubs, the Cubs are probably going to look to add some pitching depth, if not this offseason, in the next couple of years. And he might be a prime trade piece. So I think this is an opportunity not only for him to refine his game, but to make a case to somebody else that, like, okay, I can't move Chris Bryant off of third base, but I can play for you. It's been the, the opening week of the fall league has been uh, really, really offensive-minded. It's always a hitting league. Uh, but, uh, like, in recent years, I think it had balanced out a little bit. I think the first week there were seven multi-homer games, and last year there were four multi-homer games in the entire year. Wow. Uh, and they've been putting up those crooked numbers. Remember, it always used to be like, it looked like a high school softball game. It was like 15 to 12, and it was a 20 to 4 game. Yeah. Uh, so it was crazy. So, and there have been a lot of guys who have been swinging a, a hot bat. You know, some you expect. You know, Dominic Smith from the Mets had a good year. He went out, game I saw, doubled down the left field line, doubled down the right field line. Yep, Dom Smith. But I like it when there are guys that like, like a Candelaria that you're not necessarily expecting things from who impress you. And uh, Jacoby Jones is a guy who. Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't have a ton of expectations. It, raw tools, uh, like crazy, a lot of swing and miss. Uh, you know, you hear his batting practice, and it's like, all right, you can see when he makes contact, it, the ball jumps off his bat, it makes a bit of a different sound. And I saw him, you know, in two games where he homered twice, uh, and they were, they, these were not cheapies, these were not wall scrapers. And it just, if you weren't paying attention, you heard the, you, you heard bat on ball and you turn around, kind of homers. And then the next day he had four hits. Only one of them he didn't square up. He was just squaring the ball up consistently. Incredibly small sample size, obviously. If he can find any kind of consistency of doing that, squaring the ball up, he has a chance to be a pretty exciting player. And Jim and I have talked power-speed combination. He's got about as much in terms of those two things. Uh, he just consistently hasn't been able to do it on the field. But Opening week, uh, it was fun to, to watch him swing the bat. You've each covered the league for so many years uh, on paper and also you being an eyewitness uh, for the few games that have been played so far. What's the talent level like this year in comparison to what you've seen in the past? Well, on paper, it's definitely down. Uh, it's not nearly as much, you know, just in terms of top 100 talent, if we're going to use that as a measuring stick. There aren't nearly as many uh, players. Um, I saw, you know, you know, seeing Reyes and seeing Lopez, uh, probably more good pitching than I often expect. Teams often don't, you know, after a full year, they're not going to send pitchers out. A lot of times there are guys coming off of injuries, and maybe, maybe you get lucky there. Uh, 
but there were guys swinging the bat, a lot of sort of more under the radar guys uh, than the than the top top tier guys, the guys like Candelario and Jacoby Jones. Uh, M- Michael Gerber also of the Tigers swung the bat really well opening week. Uh, so uh, the one good thing is when you don't have as many of the high profile guys, it, it, these other guys can really make a name for themselves, right. and a lot of times they use the fall league as a springboard uh, up to the big leagues. I do think it's down a little bit too, Ed. Um, and Jonathan, I agree with what Jonathan was saying. And I think, I was thinking about this, I think it's because we've been so spoiled. We keep talking about this great rookie class, and a lot of these guys were in the Arizona Fall League in 2013 when I believe Chris Bryant was MVP. 2014, Greg Bird was MVP. We've seen so many of these guys. And I think it was just kind of maybe cyclical that, that we had this unbelievable crop of talent that stayed in the minor leagues for a couple-year period, and we saw a lot of these guys in the Fall League. I, I do think we've been spoiled the last couple of years, it just more so than this year, with, with the arms, even though you saw Reyes and you saw Lopez pitch well, I think we've seen more top pitching prospects, you know, whether it be Aaron Sanchez or Archie Bradley or, or whoever. You know, more of those guys seem to be in the league the last couple of years. And, it, and this year, Alex Reyes is the only top 100 pitcher out there. It seems like there were fewer quality pitching prospects this year who had an injury severe enough to cost them some time but not so severe to where you wouldn't bring him back at the end of the year. Um, you know, there is Shamanaya. We do have Kyle Freeland. There's a couple guys, but there aren't a ton of them. So I do think the talent's down a little bit this year, but I think compared, if you were looking at five, ten years ago, I think it's kind of par for the course. I, I think we were just spoiled in 2013 and 2014. We welcome to the podcast the 2013 third-round draft choice of the Pittsburgh Pirates, who was dealt to Detroit in the Soria trade this summer. Joining us from the Arizona Fall League is shortstop Jacoby Jones. Jacoby, it's great to have you with us uh, today. Uh, were you surprised by the deal? Uh, the trade deal? Yeah, and, and how were you told? Um. Yeah, I was, it was pretty weird. I was I was on the field actually stretching, and uh, the trainer came and tapped me on the shoulder like eight minutes before the before the game started and said, you need to go in the manager's office. So I went in there, and he told me I got traded for Joaquin uh, Soria, and I was immediately, I didn't know what to say. I was just in shock, kind of, and I just stared at him for like five seconds. I didn't know what to say, and I was like, um, all right, yeah. So I've never been a part of that. So um, it was an exciting time knowing that the Tigers uh, wanted me straight up for a big leaguer. So, I mean, that was exciting. So, uh but yeah, it was a uh, it was a fun experience for me, and uh, I enjoyed it. But but I would think as you're walking towards the manager's office, you got a million thoughts in your mind about what's going on here. Yeah, I had no idea to be honest. I knew the trade deadline was soon, but I didn't know if I was like I didn't know what was going on. But then when he told me that, obviously I knew. But yeah, I had no no idea I was getting traded or anything. Jacoby, Jim Callis here. I just want to ask you, how has the transition to shortstop gone? I, I, if I remember correctly, I don't think you played a lot of shortstop. If any, really, at LSU, and you broke into pro ball as a center fielder, you've been a full-time shortstop for two years. How's that transition going, and what do you think you need to work on the most? Uh, well, I, I mean, I grew up my whole life playing short, and when I got to college, I played um, second base, and when I was in the Cape, I played center field. So, but, uh, but yeah, shortstop is, I mean, I played there all my life, but in pro ball, I mean, it's a little different. Um, people hit the ball harder, so, I mean, uh, you got to be on your toes. But, I mean, I'll just work on – I'm getting better each and every day, just trying to. And uh, just I'm basically just working on everything pretty much, backhands, forehands, double plays, um, knowing where to be in the right time, um, pretty much just everything. But, uh, I mean, I love shortstop, and um, that's where I grew up playing. So, I mean, if the Tigers want me to keep playing there, I will. If they want to put me wherever else, it don't really matter. But 
Uh, I'm enjoying my time playing there in pro ball, so yeah, it's fun. With that in mind, Jacoby, during the, the opening week uh, out there in the fall league when I was out there, I, I did see you getting some, some work at third base. Is, is that just getting some work in? Is that seeing what that looks like? Uh, how much will you be playing, if any, at third this fall? Um, I have no idea. I know I know the manager um, said that I'll be playing there a few games. And uh, when I when they told me I was coming out here for the fall league, the Tigers told me, asked me if I played third base. And I was like, no, I never played third base in my life, so. Uh, but, yeah, they said I was going to play a few games here, a few games at short. Uh, I don't really know. So, I mean, the first three games I played at third base. So, um, But I'm playing shortstop tomorrow. So, um, I guess I'm just switching back and forth, getting used to it. They want to give me some reps. So, I don't know what the what, what I'm doing. I guess they just want me to play there and get used to it. Maybe the Tigers won't be there spring training or next season. I have no idea. So, uh, But, yeah, wherever they put me, as, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm going to play. So, uh, it's pretty fun. Jacoby, I know you participated in the Bowman Hitting Challenge uh, over the weekend. Uh, what was that like? Had you ever been in an event like that before? Uh, I've been in home run derbies, but I've never been in like a hitting challenge where you got to like hit targets and stuff. But uh, so no, I've never been in anything like that. But it was pretty fun, uh, even though it rained a little bit. But yeah, it was it was it was a fun time just going out there and seeing all that stuff they had on the field, the targets and all the points and all that stuff. So. Uh, it was a good time. Uh, I had a, it was a fun experience, and I enjoyed it. It looks like you're you've been having a pretty good time swinging the bat in the in the opening week. Uh, as luck would have it in my schedule, I saw your two homer game and your four hit game. So uh, I think you're the greatest hitter ever. Um, <laughs> um, but just uh, just what you know what what has been working for you this week in terms of, of the of the comfort level at the plate. Uh, well, I know the first game I was real antsy. I was swinging at everything. I'm, uh, I hadn't seen my pitching in, in a month, so I mean, that's like everyone. But uh, I felt good. The next day, I was uh, just telling myself, see the ball up, uh, not chase the pitches that uh, the pitchers want me to chase, and uh, just barrel off the ball and just, uh, pick up the spin, just not lay off lay off the bad pitches and see it across the plate. But um, basically, I was just telling myself, just, um, just be slow and easy with, with your foot. Don't get too antsy and just see the ball up and uh, good things will happen when that happens. So. Uh, it paid off for me, and hopefully I can keep it up uh, this, this, this fall. Hey, Jacoby, how much was the AFL on your radar this year? Was that something you were hoping to do after the season? When did you find out you would be going? And and what do you do with the layoff between the, the minor league season and the AFL to, to get ready or prepare or maintain what you were doing so you're ready to step right in? Uh, you just maintain just working out and keeping your legs underneath you. Uh, I, well, I went to college at LSU, so I went back to LSU and uh, worked out and hit, hit a few balls on the field. Um I uh, took some ground balls and just basically just try to stay active, uh, not try to do too much. But I didn't want to just sit around and not do anything, come out here and not prepare. So, um, so I, yeah, I just did a little bit, took some BP, took some ground balls, and uh, worked out a little bit just for a couple of weeks and just to maintain, keep my legs underneath me and swing the bat a little bit. So, yeah. Jacoby, before you go, you're the, uh, uh, we believe, in the long, uh, illustrious history of this program, uh, you are the uh, uh, first guy who hit three homers in the same game. You did it at Erie uh, in only your third game there. Uh, can you talk about what that performance was like? Uh, to be honest, I, have, I don't even know. It was just most exciting, one of the most exciting days of my, my baseball career, just in the and the home run to the right, left, and center in the same game. But, uh, no, I don't know. Um, I don't even know how to explain it. It was <laughs> it was exciting. Um, I don't even, I was just – I don't know. I just, it just threw, threw the ball and I hit it and it went out. So I have no <laughs> idea how to explain it. I mean, it was exciting. It was fun. Uh, it's probably one of 
one of the best moments of my life, to be honest. So, Jacoby, uh, I don't yeah, think I, I don't think I ever hit three home runs in a wiffle ball game. <laughs> Just, it's great. We're so happy to have you with us, and we wish you continued success, uh, Jacoby, not only in the Arizona Fall League, but for years to come. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Jacoby. That'll do it for us. On behalf of Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis, I'm Ed Randall. Thanks for listening to the MLB.com Pipeline Podcast. <laughs>